Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Movie Bollocks. But this is kind of, well, it's kind of talking movie bollocks. Because this is a real sort of crossover between the two. Because in this episode, I am talking with the wonderful Paul Waller, as you know. He of uh, the uh, Year, A Year in Horror uh, podcast, as you'll have seen from the graphic for this podcast. And also singer of OMS. So... Uh, we decided to have a chat about the Metallica movie Through the Never. Now, you know all of this because it's in the podcast description and that's why you're here. So instead of doing any more jibber-jabber, I'm going to get straight to it because, let's be honest, there is a ton of stuff to talk about about this movie. We leave no stone unturned and, of course, we just talk about straight old Metallica as well. So, here it is. This is myself and Paul going right over the movie Through the Never. When we decided to do this, well, actually, due respect, when you had the idea that we should do this, because I think I mentioned the film and you were straight away, you were like, let's do it. It's just special. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to crowbar that into horror? Um, although there are horrific scenes in it. It's exactly a week ago where I put my entire Saturday afternoon aside, you know, in lockdown. And um, and I went, right, I'm going to I'm going to do this. So I watched every I watched all of the um, all of the extras. I watched the whole movie in 3D because I can. And yeah, it, it, it was great. It was great revisiting it. Uh, well, I say revisiting it. I mean, it's not like I haven't watched it for years. I, I do watch it every now and then. And I I think I messaged you as well that I think once I'd finished watching the making of documentary, I was like so excited to watch the <laughs> film. It was like I'd never seen it. I was like, oh God, I'm so excited. It is very exciting to have all the capabilities of what that film is actually for and you can just pop it in and watch it as it's meant yeah. to be presented yes yeah and funnily enough there is a um there, there's there's an addendum here for anybody listening um if they're watching it and um especially if you're watching it in 3d you see the thing about 3d that i do really love um is that the sound is incredible Right. When you when you watch a 3D Blu-ray, the sound is 3D. The sound is fully immersive. Oh, yeah. Wow. So if you so and normally I, I don't know about you, but normally I will never choose 5.1 as an audio option if it's there. If I'm watching a concert movie, it, it needs to be stereo 2.0 because the album wasn't mixed in 5.1 and that's not what it sounded like at the gig it's all just stereo it's unfuckable with but because through the never is a movie and has dialogue and is 3d you have to choose the 5.1 option because it's an, a totally immersive experience so hetfield's vocals are coming out of the dialogue spot in the 5.1 it's it, I, the way the sound. I mean, I could talk for hours on just how the soundtrack has been put together. One hundred and forty channels of a four-piece band. Huh? A <laughs> hundred and forty. I mean, it's insane. No matter how many times you've seen Metallica, you haven't heard them like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
I mean, it's just it's the time they spent. The t- well, you know what it's like, and I know what it's like. You know, you, you go out um, when you when you mix an album, you then go and play it on. You, you know, when you're doing first mixes, you go and play it like on a laptop and on some earbuds and on big stereo, you know, big stereo in a car stereo. Do you know what I mean? Sitting yeah. in cars in car parks, listening to music. That's that's familiar for weirdos like you and I. <laughs> yeah. um, but for most people, what you're doing? What? But of course. What did Metallica do with the mix of this? Yeah, fucked off to cinemas. Not just one, several. And listening on all different qualities of cinema systems. I mean, the attention to detail is is just painstaking. It's brilliant, brilliant. Abs- I mean, it's it's as all as with all the things they do when they commit to something, they absolutely commit to it in to the microscopic detail of whatever it is. You know, and yeah, for that reason alone, I mean, I have the, I have the soundtrack CD, obviously, which again is just absolutely brilliant. You know, I haven't got a question about the actual the album. By the way, I haven't asked my first question yet. This is brilliant. Uh, this right. this is a long one. Um, uh, yeah. strap, <laughs> strap in, folks. <laughs> the, the the CD version. Um, what's the difference? What's the difference between what you're getting there and what you're getting on the movie? Um, I no different really, other than yeah. it's a, it's a you know it's a CD, so you know you you stick it in your uh, in your CD player as, a, as opposed to sticking the Blu-ray in the Blu-ray player. Um, I mean, it still sounds immense, absolutely immense, and Orion still sounds absolutely just unbelievable. Is there a major difference between like the the previous live albums, like Binge and Purge and shit like that? Is there a major difference when you're listening to this score? Yes. Yes, yeah. You know, the, the, on the making of, when they're talking about the soundtrack, there's a couple of engineers who worked on it. And they're saying, you know, the guy says, I've got 140 channels of a four-piece band. This should not exist. This is, and li- I mean, they can, they can reamp things. They can, it's basically a studio album that was recorded live. You know, it, it's it's by no means uh, they just took some mics and mic the band up and they're like here it is with the crowd in the background. No, it's really not that. And what you're listening to is really a very, very, very uh, well. You listen to a studio album with crowd noise almost. It's it's mm. it's still the live performances, but it's it's um, it's a, it's a movie soundtrack, you know. And and so the the amount of work and effort and detail that's gone into it. It's the same as that would go into any movie soundtrack. But it is just the gig. Obviously, you don't get any bits and pieces of, you know, the dialogue or anything like that. It sounds like it's probably better than Kiss's Alive One. Um, well, uh, you know my feelings on Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Right, I let's mean, kick this know, off. Yeah, somebody no, rat- no, somebody no, rat- let's not talk. Yes. <laughs> I'm not, not going somebody down Somebody rattling a turd right. in a bucket would be better than listening to Kiss. <laughs> I'm taking you back. First question. Here we go. So my favourite okay. Metallica song, Bread Fan. Okay. Has been since day one. Shut your face. Since day it's, one. Since It's not I a Metallica the, song. It fucking is. It's so a you've got the har- No. Harvester of Sorrow, 12 inch. Flip. Got that day it came out. Flipped it over. And there's something about that energy of that song. That's since then. It's been my favourite. Uh, it just. Everything about it. I know it's a cover. It's the best. Right. So, easy question for you. You ready? Yeah. What's your favourite Metallica song? Okay. Well, let me, let me first of all, play the Five Degrees of H. 
about how you can tell a story of metal and within five easy moves, I will somehow insert myself into the story. Okay, but it's a lot quicker this way. Your favourite song and the first single from Unjustice for All before the album was out was Harvester of Sorrow. Well, the very first time I heard Unjustice for All and Harvester of Sorrow was in Edwards Number 8 venue in Birmingham. It was a test pressing of the album that was being played through the PA. The test pressing was brought down by none other than Big Mick who did the live sound on Through the Never. And he, he'd come down, he knew there was a thrash band playing, he didn't know us, but he knew there was a thrash band playing, and he came down to blast the album through the PA to get an idea of what he had to recreate when the tour started. And, um, and so we were going, you know, we were all just, all of a sudden it started coming through the PA, and we were like, what the fuck is, it's Metallica, that's Metallica, what the hell's going on? And there's this huge bearded guy behind the sound desk chatting to... So, so anyway, straight away, um, you know, we went up, said hello, tour manager, took him to one side. Would you mind doing the sound for the band tonight? They'd be... And he was like, no, of course not. Yeah. Uh, you know, how much do you want? A few beers. Just look after me. That's fine. Okay, great. So uh, we dedicated a song to him as well. And... Um, and we played Whiplash. We dedicated a song to him, and we played Whiplash for him. And he came into Fantastic. the dressing room. And he came to the dressing room afterwards, and he said, um, "He said, I'll tell you what I told Metallica: slow down. You play too fast, but you play it better than they do." So you know, I couldn't. I couldn't complain at that. Really, my favourite Metallica song. God, I mean. I think I knew you were going to ask me this, and I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to go. Sorry, I can't answer that because there's too many. There's like literally, there's like ten or twelve tied at number one, but that's a bit of a cop out. Um, so I'm going to put my twist my arm round my back and say the song that has everything is Master of Puppets. It's it, it it has it has great chorus. It has intense riffing. It has great lyrics. It has a brilliant acoustic section. It builds out of that into a classic master master. I mean, come on, and and <laughs> and so for those reasons alone, and also uh, you know, Kirk plays a brilliant solo on it. So I'm literally this is this has just occurred to me with you asking me the question. I think it, I think it's Master of Puppets. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll go with that. I'm so shocked you committed there. Me too, I'm mate. I'm happy Me too. with that. That's good. I feel, I feel I'm confident now that this, this <laughs> chat is going to go well. You've delivered already. <laughs> uh, you've delivered. You've put me at such ease that I have done what I never do. <laughs> and, and, and come out with, yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. But oh, by the way, your favourite Metallica song is Bread Fan. Fuck off. I mean, that is just... That is so... Metallica fans around the world are listening to that guy shouting at their speakers. It's not a fucking Metallica song! But whatever. Whatever floats hey. about, mate. Come on, you'll be saying Whiskey in the Jar's not a Metallica song next. <laughs> you, you've gone loco. Yeah, Stone Cold Crazy. <laughs> Great Metallica tune. <laughs> right, opening shot. Whiplash, yes. whiplash, it ends at Whiplash. It starts gliding over the city. 
Now, I was watching this and I was like, wow, okay, what a, yeah. what a way to start a film. And I haven't got the 3D version, oh. uh, so I can only imagine. Yeah. First of all, what the hell was that like in 3D? Um, I, every time I watch it, I can, and I always watch it in 3D. I mean, I have watched it in 2D, but I always watch it in 3D because I can. And um, every time that that flyby just gets me. It's just you just you're in the sky, and you know it's 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 a brilliant and it's a very deliberate use of the 3D. It's ab- I'm well aware that I'm being manipulated by the filmmaker, and that the opening scene is meant is meant to make me go, oh my god, isn't this incredible? But it does. Therefore, I haven't been manipulated. It's just a fucking great idea, and yeah, I mean. I remember, you know, we were talking over Messenger and it said that that opening scene, there is no music. Um, I think it's Whiplash or Hit the Lights is, is, is like you don't hear it until you get closer to the venue because it's blaring from the car that the guy in the car park is, is in. Yeah. So you don't really hear anything. And you hear that you hear the radio tuning in. You know, there's a radio, you know, some guy going, oh, and there's a sold out Metallica show. And and. It's 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 bizarre. It's utterly bizarre. And then you descend down out of the skies into the car park, and you go from this like awe-inspiring, breathtaking "Oh my god" to this fat loser failing to climb onto his car. And um, uh, you know, I just love it. It's a really cool uh, way to start a movie. I I think it's like a metaphor for that that T-shirt they did that birth school Metallica thrash. You know that. That thing where it's like there's silence, there's silence. There you go. Let's kill them all. Like let's begin. Yeah. You know, I feel like that sets up the film really well for me, and it's one of those ones even in two D where I was oh now because I knew I was doing this as well. I'm getting tingles because I'm actually oh I'm loving this. This is great. This is yeah. why I love Metallica. You know. So yeah, really good. And I guess that's got a lot to do with Nimrod. Uh, the director, Nimrod Antle, I think it's Antle. Yes. I, I, I never get a name right, so who knows. Um, but I remember chatting about this fella with Daniel because we talked about the film Predators, and he did Predators. Now, have you seen any of his other movies? Have you? Have you do you know a lot of his work? Uh, no. Um, what was I, sorry, I, There is another film of his. That, sorry, you were talking about, what, what film was it that you... Predators. Predators, yeah. One, yeah, yeah. Which, which I've seen once, um, so... I think that pretty much says everything about what I thought of that film. Saw it once and thought, it's all right. But yeah, that was it really. I think he is a, horrible to say, but a bit of a bog standard director. He, you know, he does the job. And I think maybe that's why Metallica got him in. So you've not got this auteur. You've got someone that can follow your vision and you know you can collaborate together but at the end of the day this is Metallica's movie and you've not um, got someone trying to push too much I think I think that's a very very good observation um, I think it's a very accurate observation and also um, factually correct because if you look at the writing credits it's Nimrod and James and Kirk and Lars and Rob they're all there's right. five of them credited writing in the movie and the thing is as well is i just you just know don't you that as the movie's going along in fact i do know this because it's in the making of but as the movie's going along literally the band are throwing ideas in you know and nimrod's going yeah okay we could try that or yeah maybe i can get because bear in mind they're not the band they're the boss 
You know, this yeah. is Metallica are funding this movie. You know, so yeah, it, it doesn't it, say Nimrod at the front, does it? It says Blackened. You know, yes, Blackened Productions. Yes. Yeah. Right. You know that you're in good hands, though, when you've got the blood dripping from the guitar and you've got James's entrance. Like, yeah. that is high-gloss, sheeny movie-making. So you know, all right, okay, this is not just the concert film, uh, even though I'm sure you wouldn't have gone to this not aware that it was just not a concert film. But I felt really in safe hands, and I remember that from the very first time I watched it, that, oh, okay, there's there's a ton of money being shoved at this. And again, just with that whole intro with the zoom, and then you've got this, the introduction of Trip, it all seems like, okay, this is not just your average film. And that's when you think, well, it's Metallica, of course it's not. Yes, yeah. And also, I mean, I just thought, in, in well, going back to watching it in the cinema, um, as soon as, just as soon as it starts, and the intro, and something that we didn't mention as well, the skateboarding journey which again showcases the 3D. The whole reason that is in there is 3D because you're in and out of the pillars. And yeah, James drives past. There's a really cool quote from Dane, uh, from Dane DeHaan, actually, where they're going like, um, uh, they were like, you know, oh, the director, the director wanted somebody who could act with their eyes. And I do think he was brilliantly cast because he's gone on to make some great movies. Not that this isn't a great movie as well. Um, but he says... You know, they 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 said to him like, oh, you know, you were you were cast because of your ability to eyes and you know show a look on your face. Um, what do you think about that? And he said, well, when you turn round and James Hetfield is driving past in a hot rod blowing fire, there's not a lot of acting involved. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do I do I look like stunned and shocked in that? Because I am. Yeah, that was literally like one, maybe two takes. <laughs> Who who else wouldn't be though? <laughs> yes. What the hell is this car? Oh my god! Look who's driving it. What's going on with that exhaust blowing fire? Yeah, it's so it's so Genius. James Hetfield as well, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I've got myself a hot rod. It's black. It's cool as fuck. What's missing? Ideally, I wanted to shoot fire out of the back. <laughs> Not a problem, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right, we are we're in to creeping death. You've got. This whole thing. And then Kirk's playing that ESP white zombie guitar. Yeah. My favourite guitar of his. Uh, it just looks incredible. And I'm all about the looks rather than the sound. Love that. But we've also introduced, as you say, to Trip with the skateboarding yeah. thing. Um, how are you saying his surname? Dahan. Yeah, Dane Dahan. Dane Dahan. Okay. Because that's, that's, how, that's how he pronounces it. And um, so I always think that's a very good guide. Um, but but by the way, before you, before you go into creeping death, by the way, I, I know I'm sorry to mention this again, but a shout out for the 3D because the first time you see you see the band straight off, James walks works up to his mic that's on a boom stand, and it's weird because like the boom stand is here in front of you, but Jay, and then James is further away singing into it, and straight away 3D you're going right okay so the, it, it's front loaded. The movie's front-loaded with loads of showcasing of 3D. That is, again, another deliberate um, early shot for you to make. So you, so you go in, like, 3D, oh, my God, this is amazing, this is amazing. Then the gig starts, and it's, oh, my God, the 3D is still amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is how it's going to work. So you've got Kirk, and you've got... And the first time that, you, that it closes up on Lars, and you're like, 
oh, wow, I'm like in the kit. You know, because you've got the kit is in front of you and Lars is behind it. It's it's and so again, those those early shots are all showcasing the three D, um, and they do it brilliantly. And like I said, you know, yeah, it's a bit of it is a bit of audience manipulation, but by the same token, it's being done to make you go, yeah, this is pretty bloody impressive, isn't it? So you've had the <laughs> intro, which again sets the movie up, it showcases the three D. Then the band start playing, which showcases the three D, and it showcases the sound because straight away you're going, fucking hell, this sounds great. And so you're what, like five, six minutes in, and you've just got Metallica boner for days, and it's and you know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you've only got to... <laughs> Paul Chanter, he said that he watched it round yours and he could see, like, underneath Rob's hair. So it was that intense, the 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 design of the 3D, that you could actually tell that all oh, that hair's in front of his face. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. It's, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's... I mean, it's fantastic. It really is. And uh, And just the... And then, like you say, you know... Creeping Death is, like, crushing. Um, well, let's talk about that in a sec. I, I yeah. just want to speak about Mr. Dehan. Because of this, I thought, right, I don't know him in anything. I looked at his uh, filmography and couldn't think I've seen him in anything. So I tried Life After Beth, which he made straight after this, which is a film where his girlfriend turns into a zombie... She's right. already dead, and then she comes back to life. And then, before you know it, everyone that's ever died has come back to life. That's the, the premise of the story. Right up my street. Love love that sort of stuff. And he was really good in it. So I'm like, right, I'm going to watch Cure for Wellness next. And I haven't watched that, but I really want to. Right, yeah, I, I've never got round to that, because it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, don't get me wrong, I really like Jason Isaacs as well, but it's just, yeah, it's uh, I think it's a, bit, it's a bit of a drag of... I know a few people who've seen it and and they're like, yeah, you know, I've, now I've seen it. I never have to watch it again. <laughs> but anyway, you know, uh, not not to not to pre, not to prejudge a movie, not 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 to sort of you know prejudge a movie that I haven't seen. But yeah, do you do you think he handled this film well? I mean, I think he was well cast, but do you think he actually delivered on the the roadie uh, sort of runner sort of character? I know many roadies and runners, and they they don't look that cool. <laughs> I know uh, that much. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, um, I I think he's meant the fan base is meant to identify him, identify with him. You see, there's a whole load of subtext going on, which ultimately is going to get exposed within the next couple of minutes when we get to a very key scene that basically just completely blows the whole subtext of the movie apart. He's not meant to look like a roadie. He's meant to look like a fan. He's a, it's a fan. The fan base are supposed to warm to him. He is a fan. He's not a roadie. And, you know, Lars looks at him and gives him a strange sort of, mm, uh, who, who are you? Um, none of the band know who he is. If he was crew, they would. Uh, well, we'll get we'll get to that particular sort of part of it that I'm keen to explore. Um, but well, um, in that case, let's talk about "Creeping Death" for whom the bells toll. What the fuck? Two two ride the lightning songs straight away off the bat. Yes, yeah, it's awesome, why? isn't it? It's awesome. I, I love that. But why would they do that? But uh, just bear with me one second. 
Creeping Death, we break off, don't we? In Creeping Death, yeah. we go, die, die, die. Now, that section is when Dane DeHaan is grabbed by the crew. And I just want to say, for everybody watching this, that scene, right, where he's going, everyone's going, die, die. And he's, he is, <laughs> and they go out to the crowd and he stood in the stairwell. And it's just him stood there. Look to your right, just behind him, and you see um, you see a black dude with an afro tied back, with his arms crossed. Not impressed one fucking bit. Yeah, he's just what like, is that? He's, he's not into it. He's not nodding his head or anything. It's literally like he's just. It's literally like, yeah, I'm here. I have to be here. I'm. Who's this band playing? It's not my kind of thing, really. <laughs> It's no accident that he's there because you are looking at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But also, um, but also in, in Creeping Death is the first time that the stage makes its presence known because it is the fifth member of the band in this movie. It is, it is you know, it should get a credit of its own in the film. <laughs> yes. um, you know, during, during um, uh, Creeping Death, where the blood... Sp- spreads across the stage that was also the first time ever and i don't know if it's been done since but it's the first time ever that uh, the stage is programmed by a computer but the computer tracks the footprints of yes. james kirk and rob so if they walk across the the, you know, the blood would follow them and the effects follow them so they're like pressure pads you know that's like pressure pads as well as it's basically basically it's touchscreen. It's, it's I mean, it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I look at that stage, and what my wife said was, "How the hell do they transport that along to do those pre-warm up gigs? Like, how can you do that?" What a brilliant question! It's like, and it's, this wasn't set up, but I'll tell you how they do it. Uh, you normally a tour will have 10 trucks. A big tour will have 20 trucks. The That stage, 40 trucks. 40 trucks for that one stage. For the sold-out nights in Mexico City, 170,000 people um, <laughs> for, for, for the run turned up to see Metallica. A small village grew up around the venue for the four days they were there. And literally, it was like a Metallica... It was like a it's like something meets, like, you know, Star Wars meets real life. This little sort of <laughs> Metallica shantytown like you see in Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? With people... Literally, like, a market town just grew up around the venue of people just selling Metallica merchandise and all that, and people camping out, and loads of people were, were going to all the shows. And literally, it's like... You know, Metallica town inside Mexico City. Insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. I've only ever experienced that sort of thing once when I saw um, Maiden at Twickenham. And <laughs> you, you shut your pants. <laughs> no, no, I'm uh, sorry. But, but you're just, but we're talking about like, we're talking about Mexico City, South American passion, <laughs> right? And and your your comparison is, is suburban West London. <laughs> It's a rugby stadium. Rah, rah. Look, it 
I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah. I don't really go to massive stadium gigs, and it was oh, probably my second experience of it since Guns N' Roses played with um, God knows who, Soundgarden or something on News Your Illusions. So, yeah, it's a long time since I've been to one, and I Fair remember enough. Daniel Fair taking enough. me along, and I was like, oh, God, okay, this is going to be rubbish. And I had the best time before I even got in there, just hanging out <laughs> with those fans like you, there was no other t-shirts it was all maiden yeah. um which is something i'm going to bring up all the way through this discussion the t-shirts in the crowd i spotted some genius t-shirts but yeah i'm proper jealous how how about living in metallica city like I know, slipknot yeah. do it like slipknot do it metallica surely have thought about it although you know sometimes their the the money return on what they do sometimes um doesn't go so well so yeah i bet after this movie they're a bit more cautious on what they're what they're pummeling all their millions into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that. That's that is the yeah. I mean, for me, the movie's a, a huge success. Um, but f- mm. funnily enough, there are there are times in the making of where that you you hear a brief discussion about no one's going to finance it or we're going to finance it, and then you hear and you hear some quite near the knuckle discussions like, um, <laughs> you know, what's the budget for this movie? Does anybody know what the budget for this movie is? And someone goes, uh, it's 15 million, isn't it? And the, and the guy turns around and goes, really? Look over your shoulder. You see that line way back there? That was 15 million. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, right. But James does say, and it's quite, it's quite funny because you know, whether, he, whether he meant it or not, well, no, I'm sure he did mean it at the time, probably before they spent way more than they planned to. He said his aspiration for the movie was... Um, for it to just be a, a really cool underground film. That's it. And I thought, well, job done, mate. Unfortunately, he probably said that when they had an underground budget as opposed to where it ended up. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was you know, that was pretty cool. So I'm going to take you out of the film for just a second. Uh, during For Whom the Bells Toll, or Bells Toll, tell me what that is. Bell tolls. For whom the bell tolls. So this is when I first get my right, real good look at Rob. Now, I had a real problem with Rob for for many years. I didn't like what he was wearing. As I say, I am uh, I work very visually uh, with my the bands I love, and I just thought him wearing like those basketball uh, sort of jerseys. I wasn't really into it, but it wasn't that. And later on in life, I realised I just missed Jason. I just wanted Jason and. I blamed him when, yeah. you know, it's nothing to do with him. Uh, you know, who who wouldn't be like, oh, yes, okay, I'll play bass for Metallica. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I always had that thing with him that I didn't like. And then later albums, when you actually can hear that bass go, yeah, he's incredible. Like, yeah. I, I'd say just knocking Jason out of the park with what he can do and what he does for the actual song. But I do remember those years of really being frustrated that he was in the band how did you take it when he was introduced um well firstly i think um uh, i like the way you put it i work very visually with bands i like as opposed to not saying i enjoy judging a book by its cover um thank you <laughs> that's all right thank you um, I, I knew i could get away with it um but no i know i know what you mean though i mean i i am i'm i'm joking because i know i know what you mean literally you know you can you can love a band and then one of them gets like a shit haircut and you're like what 
What, what the fuck? <laughs> now, it's a band. It's not made the album sound any different. What's wrong with you, dickhead? But it does matter, you know? And, and that's one of the sort of un- in- intangibles about music is that a member of a band can, like, you know, get, a, get what you perceive to be a naff haircut or something like that, and all of a sudden it kind of, like, affects your, your passion or whatever. Um, I was disappointed... Um, I mean, bear in mind that when Jason left, it, it wasn't my favourite Metallica era by a long stretch. Um, right. So it was mine. Yeah, right. So I was not. I was because I'm that little bit older than you. So I was not as engaged in their career. In fact, I remember seeing in you know in Kerrang or whatever that um, Jason had left, and I remember thinking, yeah, that's that's actually quite sad. Um, I also remember reading and like in, reading the press release and thinking, "What a load of utter shit!" I wonder why he really left. <laughs> yes, and I think we all we all know that um, that is exactly what the case was. <laughs> um, now, now we do, but um, uh, I knew I knew Rob. I fucking played with the guy. Um, wow! Yeah, we support we 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 played with suicidal tendencies. Uh, when when Rob was playing, we played. Uh, we supported them in Brixton Academy, and um, and and funnily enough, Rob was the one single member of the band to say hello. Um, uh, the rest he of would them, seem like that guy. Yeah, yeah. The rest of them for you know so called underground street band were doing brilliant impressions of stuck up rock stars, but um, but Rob was cool and was literally just walked past him in a in a corridor. He was like, "Hey," I was like, "Hey," you know, nice guy. Uh, I was off to get KFC and I was a bit hungry. Didn't want to stay for a chat. So I knew of his work in Suicidals. I knew of his work in Infect- Infectious Grooves and stuff like that. When Rob Trujillo, the name is announced as a new bass player, um, straight away, I was like listing all the bands and all the stuff he'd done in my head, like the Aussie stuff and all that. So I, I you know, it was like, okay, cool. That's a, that is a cool guy to get. In fact, he's probably at this stage... Him joining Metallica makes Metallica yes. cooler, yeah, than making him cooler by joining Metallica. Doesn't make him any cooler. He's fucking cool anyway. So that I think was huge. The fact that he came in and 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 he did make them cooler. And straight away playing with fingers, that was like I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to end it. Uh-huh. Of course, I couldn't wait to hear him play on an album. And of course, you know, Saint Anger he doesn't even play on it. But I remember an interview with Jason. Uh, a couple of years after he left and he said um he said i can't wait to hear the next metallica album because i can't wait to hear how james and rob bounce off each other because rob rob's a fucking monster and i also think it was jason kind of saying now i've gone the cliff replacement has gone maybe there'll be a bit more room for the bass player to actually have a say in the band um yeah you know i think he kind of you know it's amazing to think that jason was in in metallica for so long you know over 20 years and was never really anything other than a cliff burton replacement well it's weird with him because it's a similar situation with rob he came from flotsam and jetsam he was rising up. That they weren't rising nowhere near as as much as some of the other bands that I, I loved at a time. But there was definitely a rise on with Flotsam and Jetsam, and he was just plucked from, from that band, just like you know Metallica can pluck anyone they fucking want. It doesn't doesn't particularly matter. 
But he was a massive fan, a massive Metallica fan before joining Metallica. And why would that change? You know, I guess being part of it, you can still separate these things and like still the fanboy is still there. You're not going to lose all them times from when you were the massive, massive guy with the Metallica patch on your back and all that shit. So there are similarities there. Well, Hetfield always said they had to haze the fan out of Jason, which I kind of understand, but it it reached stupid levels on the Justice Tour, whereby you actually had fans writing into Kerrang! and things like that, saying, basically, can you stop being such arseholes to Jason? It's actually fucking noticeable to the crowd now. You know what I mean? If If it's like, you know, hazing somebody, it's like, you know, it's practical jokes, it's taking the piss, whatever it is, fine. Don't bring it on fucking stage. That's just unprofessional. But ultimately, there were a bunch of fucking guys in their early 20s who didn't know any better, who hadn't processed any emotions, hadn't dealt with Cliff's death at all. They just went, oh, fucking hell, Cliff's died. Right, I'm going to get battered for a couple of days and then I'm going to pretend nothing happened. And uh, we're just going to get... Where's Cliff? He left. Oh, I heard he died. No, he's left. He just left, that's all. He's still alive somewhere. (laughs) You know, it was just classic denial. You know, I, as far as Rob goes, I've always been, I've always been cool with Rob. I, I kind of like the fact that you know he's he came in and he just came in and he was Rob Trujillo. He just came in, he did his crab walks, he wore, wore what the fuck he wanted, um, and he got, he brought a, like he definitely seemed to bring a um, a personality, a lightness, and a and um, this. I, I'm, I'm really searching for the word because I want to get the right one. Um, he's he's like authentic and laid back, but not as laid back as Kirk. You know what I mean? It's but who is that laid back? Yeah, well, uh, n- nobody, not even Kirk these days. <laughs> um, but no, he, he's he, he just had this really sort of authentic, authentic kind of nature to him, where it was just like he got the feeling. And again, I'm just you know probably projecting my thoughts onto the scenes but in some kind of monster you kind of got the feeling that what they loved about it was it was it was almost no big deal to rob do you know what i mean it's like he joined and on the second day he turned up to rehearsals and was like okay cool what are we playing like and and yeah. like, and you can imagine the other three going shit we really need to impress this guy <laughs> <laughs> he's in he's in the band and uh, uh all right Fuck me, why is he so cool? Why is he so relaxed? Why are we the nervous ones? And that's just kind of the vibe I got. And like in that scene where they go, you know, we want to give you a million dollars. And he's like, oh, cool. And it's like, it's like, it's like somebody's asked him, do you want a coffee? Yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's like nothing phases the dude. He's just like, everything is in is in perspective. And And for me, it just makes the other three members go, Oh, right, okay, yeah. Maybe you can be in this band and not be an arsehole. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't think they will be able to haze that guy like they could haze Jason. But they wouldn't right. need but they wouldn't want to or need to. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that's that was you know, that was then. And you know and I say and that comment about, you know, maybe you can be in this band without being an arsehole is a joke. I don't mean that at all. Sure. Um, uh, no one I, would think you no one would think that of you, Howard. Oh yes they would. <laughs> Uh, but look, I love them, and I'm taking hours out of my life to discuss this movie because you know, fucking hell, 
without them. Well, we're going to we're only going to skip on one song. They they go to fuel next, and oh my god, I'm going to right. Okay, talk to me about this bit in the film, but then I'm going to lay into you about some load. Right. Okay. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just you just throw load all over me. The well before we need to talk about the movie because there yes. is there is a very very key scene. And it's the very it's it, it is the scene where Trip is told that he needs to go on a mission, and he's given a can of gasoline, or as I like to call it, a cinematic device. He then goes to his van. He puts the gasoline in the back of the van, and then what does he do? He takes a pill, and the pill is half red and half blue. <gasps> If that's not a fucking Matrix fucking nod of the hat, I don't know what is. And ultimately, he takes that pill and the rest of the movie is Trip having a trip. He's in the crowd. He never goes anywhere. It's just, that's my, that's my reading of it. I'm 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 not saying that that's the case, but he's called Trip and he goes on a physical and mental trip after dropping his pill and that is then played out by when he is out in the van and fuel is playing at the gig he's driving the van and you can see the the flames and the pistons of the effects on the skyscrapers well hello there is no flames or pistons on those skyscrapers He's not in the town. He's still at the gig. He's just tripping. That, that is the reason why we are doing this film on the podcast. Because we've all of a sudden entered the world of fantasy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Two images uh, of this sold me, and it's at this point. So you've got the bloody handprint on the wall. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I have seen so many horror films where that means, right, edge of your seat time. Uh, So, yeah, fantastic. Love that. But that crash, Mm. that van crash that he has, that must have cost so much money. And they don't use a lot of it. It's so quick. And I I was like, in a normal film, you would see that from several several different angles, (laughs) several different times. And yet, no, like you are pretty much in and out of that um, because, you know, you're flipping back to the band. I know I keep going on about it, but what the hell is that like in 3D? Well, I ju- well, thank you for asking, because uh, that means I didn't have to interrupt and tell you. Because <laughs> um, when you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, you need to see it in 3D because that that crash. I mean, I've, I've got a, a note specifically about it. Um, right. That van crash um, is is just brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I mean, you, you're in it basically. You're, you're you're in the van, and it is yeah, it, it's just unbelievable. It really is. So it's a full on. Um, well, have you seen the movie Gravity in 3D by any chance? No, I've never seen a 3D movie. Ah, right. Okay. Well, it's it, it's amazing because the the way it's done and the, the way it's filmed and all of the all of the um, effects they use. They've spent all the money on the internal 3D shot of the uh, of the van crash, and 
Um, and so the reason you don't get all the different angles is they've spent all the money inside of the vehicle and putting you in the vehicle rather than you seeing the vehicle from several different angles. Because obviously there's a huge amount of CGI involved in, in that in that one scene itself because obviously it's you know it's it's created it's been digitally created but it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing and it's it's thoroughly brutal yeah if i think it's that good in 2d <laughs> you know and it was specifically made for 3d yeah that that's going to be something else i will one day I'm inviting myself around to your place to, to watch this. I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, no problem, mate. Come round any time. Seriously, it's um, you'd you'd be amazed. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. It's the only track from from that whole period that they still play live, and it's uh, and it's it's a it's a decent enough tune, you know. It's it's a, a especially for that. Um, I mean, it's let's one one thing's for sure. It's never sounded better than them smashing right. it out live on this movie. Frankly, it, it's you know it's a it's a proper tune. That period of Metallica, I dropped out. As did many fans. Many yes. fans dropped out before that. Uh, many dropped out after that. Um, but we all come back. We all bloody come back. But I, I was wondering, you're not young H by then. You're experienced metal fan H. And the, this band that you've loved with all your heart, I can imagine many internal arguments with yourself, like one is Slayer, one is Metallica, one is Slayer, one is Metallica. And then Metallica go and deliver you load. What's your thoughts at that period, being a Metallica fan? Um, well, Load, straight off the bat, opening track, Ain't My Bitch. I mean, that's right. no, that is not a Metallica song title. Straight off the bat, that's jarring. I'm going, uh, what? That's, you know, it just, you know, straight off the bat, I'm just thinking, hmm, Really? Um, and I got it. I didn't like the album cover. I didn't like the concept behind the album cover, you know, blood and cum or whatever it was. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's like, it was just like, oh, that's pretentious as fuck. It, yeah. I was just like, oh dear. I, I really tried. I really tried with it. And, but the issue that I've got with load and reload is the album's previous Okay, so you've got Kill 'em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All, Black Album, right? Now I yep. I say, wow, that's canon right there, right? That's canon. 
Load and Reload, what's this fan fiction that has fucking happened? Yeah, what's what's this? And it's a detour, and it's them deciding to do something different, and they had to do it, etc., etc. I understand all of that. But when you judge the high points of Load and Reload, take their very high points, and not one of those songs gets onto any of the pre... Well, not any... I mean, yeah, okay, maybe some of them are getting onto Kill 'em All. But there's nothing on Load or Reload that, for me, is anywhere near as good as the high points on the previous five albums. And and that was my issue for it. And, and the thing is that I was of that... I was of that time. I'd been there since the beginning, and I'd listened to them... You know, all my life up to that point, a lot of people didn't like uh, Black Album. I I, I loved it, um, and I still do, for what it is. And for what it is, it is the fucking best there is. And that's why it still sells like 20,000 a week for some fucking reason <laughs> or whatever it is, right? But then Load and Reload come along, and it's like it's the Star Wars prequels. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's just no, you know, who fucking hell. Load and reload. Yeah, one is Jar Jar and the other is Binks. Yeah. And and yet Metallica will tell you that there's people who got into Metallica through Load and through Reload and and that's their favourite albums and how they discovered yeah. the band. And that's that's absolutely cool, that's fine. And Load and Reload don't make Master of Puppets any less brilliant. You know, those albums are there. But there was yeah. just a period there where they went a-wandering. You know, they, they went a-wandering. And, and you look at what they put out over those years. You know, then there was the, the Garage Days, re-re-revisited or whatever it was, you know, the, yeah. the, the box set and everything. And there's some, and there's like, you know, there's Merciful Fate covers in there. And there's like bits, bits and it's like, guys, what the fuck's going on? What are you doing? Where's, where is Metallica at these days? I don't know. Do you? Because you don't seem to know either. And then it all culminated with... Jason leaving, St. Anger, the experiment, and then getting back to what they, in my opinion, are best at. You know, Death Magnetic is the follow-up to the Black Album (laughs) in my strange little world. But, I mean, I, I still remember when Metallica started playing fast again. You know, I mean, literally, they said, oh, you know, it was time to play fast again. And that's you know that they, which they do a few times on Saint Anger, and it was and and I just felt that Load and Reload was an overreaction to their thrash roots. And Hetfield talks about um, he, when he uh, when he went into rehab and all the rest of it, and when he came out, and he was and they started playing shows again, and he wouldn't swear live. He refused he refused to swear, and he basically I saw him interviewed a long time after that, and he went yeah. Um, for, for for listeners, I will try and explain this so it makes sense. But he said, yeah, when, when I first came back, I was over here, way over to the left. Whereas when I'd gone into rehab, I was over here, way over to the right. And where I actually need to be is somewhere in the middle. So when he came back, he was the exact opposite of who went into rehab. Well, that's that was that's that was the that was not the good thing either, and it was like no, no, where you need to be is in the middle, and that is for me where you know where we ended up with Death Magnetic and and although I'm not a fan of Hardwired, with Hardwired as well, 
It's literally they went from one end of the spectrum to the other. And it's like, right, we've done the ultimate really fucking incredibly heavy music. Let's do something different now. Let's kiss each other in videos. Let's look like junkyard on the back of our uh, of load. I mean, they do. They look like they just look like. a, And, and you, you know, you were saying visually, mm. visually load. I had a problem with it. And you turn it over and there they are sat playing cards with whiskey looking like some fucking 80s glam, not glam band, but like, you know, sort of bluesy, bluesy, metally, just shit. I was just looking at it like, what? Where are the Misfits t-shirts? Where are the denims? Jesus Christ. Now this is awful. I wasn't put off by the look. I will always pre-order the new Metallica uh, and then make my decision, as I think anyone should, if you're a long-time fan of a band. You know, make your decision, yeah. unless you're a fan of Danzig, maybe. But what I would say is that, you, you know, you've got to be in it to have that opinion. And I wasn't put off by that. You could see that being the biggest band in the world is going to affect people in crazy ways that I could never fathom, ever, ever, ever. So what is that going to do to someone? What is having everything you've ever dreamed of and more and then way more how how can that affect you? And of course, you're going to go bonkers. Yeah. Um. I didn't want it to make the music bonkers, which is you know yeah. where I am with you. I I didn't didn't dig it at all. But I think Fuel's definitely got its place in this film, a hundred percent. Yes. But yeah. then they just they destroy it. Their next choice, Ride the Lightning. Oh. They destroy Fuel. It's like forget it. Like what a flipping song and <laughs> i've got to talk to you yeah. here about the teslas yeah. for a start that stage show can you imagine being in there and the smell uh, of all that lightning flying through the room amazing but also the camera work here is so slick it's so incredible like i'm watching this in awe because i can't believe that this is a concert show and being a fan of, of rock and metal we've seen a lot of them and nothing compares. And I know this is for the big screen and it's a movie rather than just a concert film. But it separates the men from the boys. It really does. Uh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's 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 just it's the most incredible thing. I mean, there is a <laughs> um, there is a, uh, a rather um, seriously uh, named area around the, you know, the chair that comes down, the lightning chair that yes. comes down, and the Teslas. It's called the kill zone, which if you stand in <laughs> yeah. it, you will yes. die. And it's like, ah, it's so fucking cool. And and when you when you see when you see in rehearsals, you you see the first time that that they they, they do the chair, and like James turns around, I, I think it's Kirk, and he just turns around, and he goes, that's fucking awesome. And he's just looking at him and he's like, dude, you're 12. I know how you, I know that exact feeling. There is James Hetfield, <laughs> multi-platinum selling artist in his, in his 50s. And he's just going, fucking get it. Look at that. Look at that chair with lightning. Hey, ride the lightning. Lightning. Get it. It's fucking amazing. And I just, I just love that. I absolutely love it. And uh, the, one of the most amazing, amazing facts about this is that for that song, 
they have to go to an analog desk. So all of the the whole sound system, oh, of course, yeah, the whole sound system would just fucking just just pack up. Digital <laughs> digital just goes <laughs> gone. And the thing is, they didn't realise that the first time they tested it. So the band are playing, and they go, right, go on, go on. And someone switches it on, and everything just goes, <laughs> gone. And literally, the band are just, like, strumming guitars and blazes. They're like, dun dun what the fuck? So they have to, they had to use an analogue desk for that, for that one song um, to be able to make it work, which, again, is just, like, the insane, insane attention well not attention to detail but just the insane details behind you see that chair come down it goes anything oh that's cool oh yeah it's really cool oh that looks really good great and then you carry on watching kurt playing guitar solo and you just think well you know that that you just looked at and went oh that's cool yeah well that took about a year to make and then it took about another six months of figuring out how they could actually get it to work in the song without destroying everything. Oh, and it might kill you. And you just looked at it for 10 <laughs> seconds and went, oh, yeah, that's all right. Oh, look, Kirk's playing the solo. <laughs> it's, it's insane. A, what a solo that he plays. This is my favourite yeah. solo from the whole uh, whole gig. Absolutely destroys that. Again, makes me feel like I'm... 14 jumping on my bed banging my head it's amazing um but yeah i think what's james like on his deathbed is he gonna think oh that's four million that i could have had or is he gonna be thinking those effects you remember that lightning going through the air that was just incredible what's he gonna remember like it's not important like when you've got that much cash do it and and yeah you're right his reaction it's priceless. It is. It is, and and also that the but there also there is some um, uh, there's some foreshadowing going on in this song as well for people who 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 thinking we've forgotten to talk about the movie. Um, there is there is some uh, there's some foreshadowing that go that's going on in um, in this because there's a imitation mic going down. So Hetfield is singing to a mic and it cuts sure. out. And he just goes and he like throws it down. First little bit of acting. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> we'll get to the next bit. Yeah, yeah. So he gets the mic and he throws he throws the mic down and walks off. And it, it's just it's a little bit of foreshadowing about you know about what's what's to come. And funnily enough, I've got two things about this section written down, and they are one mention the crowd. They are loving it. And they are, they are the 3D backdrop to the event. Because as you were saying earlier, oh, there's some great T-shirts in there and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, the, the band are playing. And then you've got these, you've got thousands of uncredited actors. Yeah, you've got these, you've got these people sure. who are in the movie, who went to a gig. And they're there, they're in, and they're in the fucking movie. And they are providing an amazing backdrop. And the other thing about it as well is it's the, 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 you know, that's part of the worlds of music and film colliding. Then there's another aspect to it, which is you see those crew guys. Oh, they are Metallica's crew. They're not actors playing crew. So what's film and what's gig? And do you know what I mean? I just love the aspects where it's all getting it's all getting kind of jumbled up together. And it's and it's just and it's all working. It's those crane shots. They're they're so 
flipping good. Yeah. Like, I, I was, there was one part where I was like, was that guy wearing a Doom? You know, the UK sort of crusty band from the 80s Doom. I swear I saw a Doom t-shirt. So I'm looking, looking at that. And before you know it, I'm missing what's going on stage because like the crowd is so animated. Yeah, you, you're completely right. It's a, yet another character in this film, as cliche thing as that is to say. Yeah. It, it's true in this circumstance because your eyes are darting all around. It's really clever. Like, I'm, I'm really impressed. From Ride the Lightning onwards, I'm seeing that as like the finale of the film. And really, we're halfway at that point, I think. Yeah, but that's the really weird thing about it as well, is that is that... Because you're watching, because you're watching a movie within a a musical live performance, it's like right, okay. So I'm bound to the set list, but there is also there is also a, a movie structure within the set list, and which is more important? And the brilliant aspect of it is they're never fighting against each other. Do you know what I mean? When you're watching the gig, you're thinking. Oh, this is fucking awesome. And then you go away from the gig and you go, oh, this is really cool. I like what they're doing here. And then you go, oh, I'm back to the gig again. Oh, I fucking love this song. Oh, listen to that solo. Oh, shit, look where he is now. Oh, what's happening now? And it's just, it's one constant, like, barrage of the, of the senses. And I've seen it countless times and it gets me every time. It really does. And the other thing that's worth mentioning at this point as well, because I was quite surprised when I got the double disc, I've got I've got my Blu-ray, I've got my 3D Blu-ray. That was the most important thing. Okay, I've got it on Blu-ray as well. What's missing? Well, what's missing is where is the concert DVD without the movie? Right. Doesn't exist because and I I because I, I thought at the time when it came out and it was a, and there's plenty of room on those discs to have included mm. it. I think it is, uh, you know, clearly, you know, it's the band's movie, it's the band's decision, and the band have said, nope. If you want, if you want a, a Metallica concert movie, then go buy one of the many others that we've put out. This is our vision. This is a concert film and a narrative movie wrapped up together. We have spent shitloads of money on it. This is our vision, and... We don't care what you want. You can't have this stage and this live set without the movie. It's We're not letting you have that. At the time, I was a bit disappointed. But now I think, yeah, absolutely the right call and good on them for making it. Because they'll have been under pressure. They'll have definitely been under pressure oh, to say, yeah. look, there's, there's tons of room on these discs. Why don't why don't you package the movie up into a like a little like forty five minute movie and then why don't you, and and nope 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 it's the movie that's what it is and that's all anyone's getting and uh, and you know I I think it's I think that's a great decision yeah I I agree I'm really happy with that I'm going to talk about the next song which is one and I have oh. one thing about this whenever one starts up I mean it's no bread fan so whenever it starts up I'm like. I'm like, oh, it's one. And then when you get to that halfway point, when that instrumental comes in, I don't think there's, for my money, ever been a better thrash moment. It, everything I love about Metallica is in that second half of that song. Everything. And when I heard that, I just thought to myself as a young lad, 
I'm never going to have this moment again. You know, when you get those few in life where you, you and music just become one thing and you're just like, this is heaven to me. Yeah. And one does it. It's so weird that the beginning of it, I think oh, I've got to get through uh, the song, which I loved as a kid, but now I'm like, oh, I've got to get through the song before we get to that amazing bit. So two things here. There's a really important part of the uh, non-Metallica part of the film coming up. So we'll talk about that in a sec. But I just want to know, hearing one for the first time, was it that invigorating for you? I mean, this is the weird thing, right? I mean, bearing in mind this is pre-internet days. I mean, fucking hell, it's, you know, this is like fax and cassette tape days. But even in those days, as a Metallica fan, you knew there was going to be a song on Injustice for All that was pretty fucked up and was about a guy who was completely fucked up. And you knew what it was called and it was like, wow so when you get to that song um i don't actually i don't consciously remember the first time i heard one i kind of remember listening to like the whole album as a whole but i do remember thinking like fucking hell that 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 is a bit special but what i remember more than what i remember probably the most about that song is um adam was staying with me at the time when i, I was at my staying i was living at a home with my with my mum and dad and uh, adam was staying um as well we we've got band stuff to do and um we we went into um we went into harrogate on the morning i can't remember what day it was but we went into harrogate on the morning to buy uh two of one the video cassette yeah of the two versions of the video and lit, and went and we went in to Harrogate, got it, came back, sat down, watched it, and was just like, yes. "Fuck in hell!" Because I'd only seen the video, I think, once maybe, and I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I'd even seen it, um, but I just remember just going like, "Oh my god!" You know that is fucking amazing. Um, in fact, I must have seen the video because otherwise I wouldn't have gone out, and got it. But I remember. You the never video. get to see Metallica at that point, do you? you no. they're, they're not on, they've no videos. This is it. This is yeah. Fast Fans. This is amazing. Yeah, I mean, this is the first ever, this is the first ever video they've ever done. And so you've got to own it. It was just incredible. They fully, you know, they're, they're just still delivering. They're still fucking smashing it, you know? And I just remember thinking, wow, to this day, if I watch the one video, I can, I'll start tearing up without a doubt. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it is, um, how can I put it? It's beautiful in its brutality. It's, it, it's just so fucking needless. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you didn't need to do this. You didn't need to, this song, the lyrics and everything, that's enough. Yeah. But then you've just got, gone and like, you know, it's it's like it's, it's just gone and kicked me in the balls again with the video, which is is just incredible. And I think maybe maybe it, that's the closest thing to through the never, all the way back then is something that is just yeah that one video just absolutely moves me. And the other version of one that completely moves me is on um, S and M one because your favourite section there. The yeah. that being played by Metallica 
and 116 other musicians who have all spent their lives dedicated to learning the craft of their instrument. And so you have 120 musicians all playing that section. And some are following the band, and the others are doing the string arrangement over the top. And it is, without doubt, hands down, the most majestic piece of heavy metal has ever been fucking made. It's just, to me, it's astounding. And to me, the version with the orchestra is heavier than just the band on their own. I mean, how could it not be? It's insane. Just, yeah, what a song. I haven't heard S&M for a long time. Oh, that section is just, it's just head melting. It really is. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And Michael Kamen was just a genius. And, you know, the thing about Michael Kamen is you realise how much of a genius he is when you hear S&M too. Because you hear the arrangements he did back to back with arrangements other people have done. They pale into insignificance. Uh, I thought for one moment that I'd seen through Never at the cinema, but I've just realised I didn't. <laughs> I saw S&M 2 at the cinema. That's uh, what happened. Well, I did see through the Never at the cinema in uh, 3D IMAX with a fucking massive uh, sound system. And it was awesome. <laughs> And just when the movie had finished and we all and we were looking at each other going, wow, wow, and we were all going, that was, that was good, that was good. And suddenly you hear, and it's fucking Rob <laughs> cranking out his dirty fucking tone. And then we just all sat and watched the band player, Ryan. And anyway, that's probably for the end of the, uh, uh, end of the we'll, show. We'll get there. One. 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 Visually... The strafing gunfire at the beginning of the song, you know, the use because if you've seen Metallica yeah. live, you know they do it, right? You hear the gunfire yeah. and you hear and you like one puff of smoke and one loud bang and the band come in, right? And then you're watching this and you're going, "Fucking hell, Jesus!" There's a, there, there are literally planes like machine gunning the stage because they've added lasers in and they've added little smoke pots so literally every bullet you know every bullet that hits the stage has a you know has an effect to it and the way the lasers do it's it's you know there's a great slayer lyric strafed by machine gun fire and that stage is strafed by machine gun fire it's just like fucking hell wow they just took again they took their they took what they normally do and they just went through the roof with it for the movie. And that is, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. It's the one moment the crowd looks like they're in danger, I think. Yeah. It looks fucking frightening. I had to turn that bit down. Um, it really did. It ramped everything up. With good reason. Because going on in the background or in the foreground, depending on how you're looking at this film, you've got that riot going on. Not quite. As one starts, there is the drowning man motif that appears a few times in the movie. Yeah, the guy in water. You're, and it's shot from yeah, underneath. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, whether or not that is Trip in the crowd feeling thirsty, <laughs> I don't know. Not quite, not quite sure. <laughs> Drugs. What that, not quite sure what that motif is. 
But what I really like is whilst the guitar intro is playing, whilst the one intro is playing, outside on the street, Trip sees like a guy who's running away in terror. And the weird thing is, it's kind of strange because it's you've got this beautiful acoustic guitar. But on screen, you've got somebody running away in terror. And it's the juxtaposition of those two things that if it was a movie, it wouldn't work. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. The soundtrack's broken. You can't have somebody running away in terror and this lovely melodic acoustic guitar. It makes no sense. But that's how this movie works. What's the police car on fire? What's that represent? Um, I think that represents somebody has set fire to a police car. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty uh, deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Is, is, is it meant to signify? I think this, this is, the significance is, oh, fuck me. Like the police car is driving away from whatever is coming that way. It's like watching a horror film. Yeah. And the rats are running away. Well, if the rats are running away from something, then it is fucking terrifying. Because rats, you know, and like, you know, birds flying away. It's the old it's the old Steven Spielberg, you know, animals running away from stuff kind of thing, isn't it? It's like it's meant to signify shit. Yeah. Shit. What what is what are they running from? So when you see a police car that's on fire travelling away in the direction of everybody else who is also running away, I think it's like, right, okay, that's probably not something good that's coming from there. Yeah. One last thing about um, One, and I don't know if I was actually watching it too carefully, and I was trying to read too much in it, but the vast majority of One is shot in blue and red, the same colour, the same colours, two colours, as the pill. Good spot. Cheers. That's that's not an accident. No. Yeah, that, that 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 is for a reason. And I think there's a lot of ideas that have been stuck in there, but they don't always follow through throughout the whole film. Yes. Yeah. I mean literally you could imagine you can imagine Kirk going, Hey, why don't we light this section of one in red and blue? Like the pillars at the beginning. You know, and they go, Yeah, okay, that's cool. There's no you know, there's no there's no there's yeah. no yeah, there's no subtext to it. It's, it's just like, you know, someone had an idea, thought it'd be cool. Yeah, chuck it in. Why not? <laughs> this Memory Remains yes. song. It's the one moment on the whole thing where I'm not really into it. Now, I don't mind the song. I don't mind Marion Faithful uh, in the video. I love that. I just don't think it works as a Metallica song, much like Ain't My Bitch as a Metallica title. You know, there, there's something about this song that just doesn't work for me. But every fan will have a different song different thing I, I get it i love the video to it but as i say what i wanted was to get back with trip and you shouldn't be feeling that when you're watching a metallica movie you should be wanting to be really involved in a song the only bit of it i loved was the crowd participation crowd partition my god help me out participation you're the dude <laughs> that's why you're on here bloody hell but yeah that again tingles yeah like it did feel like it was hang on this is iron maiden's thing but it still works in that context yeah what do you feel about that you must have been in a metallica crowd when everyone is doing that uh yes and um and it's awesome you know i love it i mean i st- I, I i i love the metallica live concert that they did from Nimes in france 
from the Roman Amphitheatre. Oh, um, that was amazing. That, that's that is a great one, and the and the memory remains. That's the first time that they captured that properly, and it's and it's awesome, and it is it is the highlight of the song without a doubt, and it, it it sums up the load era and the re the load and the reload era for me, which is just like. The song itself is a hodgepodge of ideas. Oh, get Marian Faithful in. Yeah, fuck it, why not? And, oh, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. It's okay. Um, that's not what I want from Metallica. I don't want to be sat here about talking about Metallica's song going, yeah, it's all right, it's okay. Um, sure. But but that ship had fucking sailed by the time that song had come out, you know. That's, you know it, was, it had disappeared over the horizon. But the way the song translates in the movie is again uh, by the way uh, you look at the stage set again the lights that come up those big arms that come up for this song mm-hmm. that are representative of the video to the song i think that's amazing absolutely amazing and again trip whilst on his trip walking through the streets one of the lights blows again it's foreshadowing of events to come on stage yeah one of the lights blows. And it, again, that's it. I think it's called back to when they did the burning guy the first time. Okay. And when one of the light goes, Trip is walking down the street and the street light blows because he's in the venue. Because <laughs> he's watching the game. Oh, yeah. So basically, nearly, nearly every single effect that happens on stage whilst Metallica are on also plays out and is and is reflected in Tripp's world. So he's either, you know, in a parallel universe um, where Metallica's music is so powerful, it's radiating. I mean, that's the other way of looking at it. Well, not the other way. There's loads of ways of looking at it. But maybe it was. It is all genuine, and he just took. He's just, he's taken a he's taken a headache pill, and it's all for real. It's just Metallica's music is so powerful. It's radiating out through the city, and it's. And they do an effect in the venue, and boom, it happens across the other side of the city as well. Because they're Metallica, bitch. <laughs> I can't see why that wouldn't be the reason. <laughs> well, I've 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 often been in uh, in a, in a city that Metallica have been playing, and, uh, and and noticed all sorts of crazy things happening. <laughs> right, you mentioned this, and I'm yeah. not sure about it. Wherever I may roam, yeah. so as far as I can tell, in this film, it. There's the intro to it. Yeah, they don't play the song, yeah. And then the song doesn't happen. It's, it's their only concession to, to, to cinema, really, you know, to, to properly... Because they've absolutely used the right part of the right song to <laughs> yes. set up the gang versus the riot squad. Yeah, so so you've got that, and all the riot and all the riot police going like, like hitting their hitting their riot shields in time with wherever I may roam, and you're just like, this just fucking works. I want to go into the street and kick the shit out of a policeman. It just absolutely works. But the thing is that it that that happens. And then there's a pause, and then Cyanide comes in, which is what they're playing, you know, they're, they're playing yeah, the show. Yeah. Then Cyanide comes in, and that, that's when they, they all the crowds run to each other, and it all starts kicking off. You see this Mad Max-style baddie on his horse. He turns up. Uh, I, I'm sure he's probably got a real name, but I call him Mad Max Dude. 
And he's lynching uh, one of the rioters. Yeah, and just, boom, lynches him like it's nothing. It's mad, right? That is some imagery that you don't see every day. Just the setup costs, let alone actually pulling that off. It must be extraordinary. So, yeah, really cinematic. I'm really into this this film at this point. As I say, I want to know what's going on. Um, I'm so into the whole fantasy of it, uh, maybe until the end. But what's your thoughts seeing this guy? Do you think he's a good baddie? Well, uh, well, I think up to this point, right, it's up to this point, it's been about unseen threat. So so malevolent malevolence has been referred to and you know that there is a dark presence somewhere that has driven the police away and you know the blo- the bloody faces run away from the horse as well that's a brilliant touch the white horse dragging the the mm-hmm. right police that is great and then you see like you know the police are stood there and they're tapping their riot shields you know in time with wherever I may roam and you think oh there's going to be a fight you know and they and the <laughs> yep. two and the two sides run at each other and they're punching each other and you're thinking oh oh it's a bit, it's, it's kicking off a bit it's kicking off a bit and then from nowhere some mad cunt on a horse turns up and just <laughs> fucking lynches somebody from a street light and you just go uh, 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 okay, uh, I think. Am I okay with this? Is it, he did just hang a guy in the street from a lamppost. Um, yeah. And it is, it's, it's kind of like, I remember the first time I see it and you're still watching it, like in the cinema, it's watching it and you just go like, well, that's it's got a bit of a left turn here, isn't it? Christ. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's one of them all. What the <laughs> fuck? And yeah, I remember thinking like, right, okay, so this is full on. There's like no punches are being pulled here. It's absolute. And that riot, that riot is fucking violent. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we, I, I, I like a bit of uh, a bit of action and a bit of violence as much as the next man. Um, and it is, but they, but there's some properly, properly violent, violent clashes in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and the thing is, like, it, because it's done as like an urban riot, it's not just people having a fight in the street. It's people using street furniture as weapons. It's somebody being thrown through a bus stop, a glass bus stop, and they're thrown through it, <laughs> yes. and it's and all the glass shatters. And you, and when you see it, you literally in my head, you're going like, "Ouch, fuck, that's that has got to hurt. That'll smart in the morning, you know." And then, and and, and then you see somebody. Else, I don't know why, but the vision of somebody drowning somebody else in an ornamental fountain, I I always find that a bit disturbing. Because again, it's like, I've seen many ornamental fountains. I have good feelings about them. I see an ornamental, ornamental fountain and I think, that's nice. I don't think, hmm, drown someone in that. And, and you see it and you're like, oh, fuck me. That's like, okay, juxtaposition and all that. But that's made me feel a bit awkward. Uh, but the real, the real kind of like, for me, the, the I don't want to say genius because it's it's too much. But for me, there's a there's a brilliant, brilliant aspect to this whole because this is all kicking off. It's very violent, and a guy just got hung, and this is all getting a bit. Like, you feel like it's getting out of hand, like a riot does. Nobody, sure. you know, nobody plans a riot. No one goes, let's have a riot because the whole point is, it's a riot, isn't it? 
you know, if you plan it, it's not a riot. Riots just happen. And this is just absolutely kicked off. And then for two seconds, you are transported into the lobby of an office building that looks that is looking out on yes. the ground yeah. level of everything that's going on. And all you can hear, the band disappear from the soundtrack, all the fighting just goes muffled into the background. And it's like you're stood in the lobby of an office building listening to Muzak, listening to the... And then it's boom, you're back at it. And that one little bit of comedy, that one little breath of air stops you from suffocating. Do you know what I mean? It stops it stops it from being really oppressive and going yeah. like, fuck me, I'm not sure about this because it's gone very violent. There's someone just got hung from a lamppost. And um, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think this is what I signed up for. I, I, you know, I didn't expect this when Creeping Death kicked in, you know. But um, that that bit there, that that whole set, that whole section, I think is probably my favourite section of the whole movie. I think the, the whole riot, the, everything. I think it's just fucking brilliant. It's so well executed. I am going to agree. And the next bit that follows is also um, one of my favourite bits, but because it's the most one of the most disturbing parts of the film. In case that so, wasn't disturbing enough, are you talking about? You think he's safe? You think Trips escaped this? Uh, it turns the corner, and then there are, uh, I think, 11, I counted, people lynched and hanging. It turns out that that one person you saw just getting hung like hung like a sack of wheat. I don't know why I've gone with that analogy. Uh, <laughs> it's I, beautiful. I, I don't live on a farm. I've never been a farmer. Um, but you just see you see that person just hung like a doll, like there's just... For, for, and it doesn't seem to matter. It's like, it, and you just think, wow, that's brutal. That's horrible. But then that's gone after the riot and everything else. And then, like you say, he walks around the corner and you think he's escaped. And all of a sudden, there's 11 people. I didn't count them, but thank you for doing the hard work. Hey. There's, uh, your, maths is, your maths is better than your pronunciation skills. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, you suddenly, you just go like, the music's faded away into the background and this guy is just, and it is eerie to say the least. It's disconcerting. It is uncomfortable. And what I like about this, oh God, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? What I like about all of these people hanging from lampposts, what, 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 I, what I like about the scene is the fact that our character, that our man on his trip, trip, is repulsed by this he's he's gagging you know and he's he's trying not to look up but what again and i think dane dehan does a great job here because what he does is he does that he does that car crash thing there's a car crash over there oh there's a car crash don't look at the car crash do not look at the car that's hideous don't see that over there that's hideous i'm gonna have another look um and he's literally and he's sort of going he's going like oh 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 that's awful yeah, that's really awful. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And, and it's like, it, it's almost like, yeah, that is, that's the perfect, perfect reaction. And and that's how it feels watching it. I f- that's, that is exactly how I felt, the way he feels. Like, whoa, that's... In any other film that I choose in like a top 10 for my lists uh, for a year in horror, that scene would never be out of place. In fact, it would be the highlight of whatever film I'm watching. 
It's so well executed. And you're right. Trip is you. You want to gag. Um, I can only imagine in 3D, again, <laughs> like just how amazing that looks. It's, it's quite nice, I have to say. Well, it's not quite nice. It is. It, it is. Um, it, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Those hanging bodies. Yeah, then. Um, it, 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 it is. It's. It's. It, it, it's fucking brilliant. Um, bear in mind as well. It's worth pointing out this uh, at this juncture as well that Trip is still carrying the gasoline can. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's still carrying his gasoline can, and something that I mused upon: our Mad Max character. Well. Why the living fuck is he on a horse if he's not one of the four horsemen? They're in a uh, yeah. They're in a yeah. they're in an urban location. They are in a city centre. Yeah, king of the riots is not going to go. Do you know what? I'm going to leave my Trans Am at home today. I'm going to take fucking Rover the horse. Do you know I'm going to take Dapple. I'm going to take Mister Ed. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> Because if there's one thing you need to get around town, if you're in a riot, it's a horse. <laughs> he is on another plane, though. He is in this fantasy world. Yes. So it yeah. is everything that you would normally go, oh, going to have to suspend my disbelief again. You're forgiving because you're, you're already there, but you're allowed to. They've already let you do that from that pill scene. So, you know, away you go with the horses, you know. Yeah. Like, there you go. Yeah. Oh, by the way, also, mm. because cyanide is the soundtrack, to um, the riot it's the first time that we see the coffin lights in the stage back at the gig that amazing stage we were talking about well it also extends into the fucking lighting rig and there is there is coffins that have got huge digital screen well basically coffin shaped digital screens and the people so good. and the people in those coffins or the actors who 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 did the acting for being in the coffin did the whole song and did many takes of the whole song and apparently the actors who did that were ringing were ringing the um ringing the director um Nimrod and and telling him that was like some of them like had had bruises for days because they were they were in they constructed coffins for them to get in and thrash about for like <laughs> 5 minutes and um and and that's yeah so it's just you know, again, the attention to detail, but brilliant. Those those coffins with the people trapped in them is just, it's creepy as fuck and it's great. Yeah, my wife was okay with the lynchings, but when she saw that, she went, oh, that's gross. <laughs> I'll tell there you, you what, I'll tell you what, there's, there's, there's something to put on the, uh, uh, there's something to put on the poster. My wife was okay with the lynchings. <laughs> Just edit that on a loop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're into the final stretch, uh, but it's still quite the stretch. You've got such a long song next. And Justice For All, uh, again, one of my favourite Metallica songs. But the thing that I pick up from this is James doing his acting bit again and directing the builders, uh, the building Lady Justice. Yeah. It's I just, laughed. Yeah, I, but, that, but that's it, isn't it? It's a bit of light relief. It is James taking a piss. You know, it is, he's just, he's having a laugh. And the funny thing is as well, is that Doris, Lady Justice, um, they all went, uh, you know, when they're constructing the stage and they're going to have all these effects and they all went, oh yeah, and of course, Doris, well, yeah, we did that years ago, no problem. We'll get, you know, get Doris out. Yeah, that'll work fine. No, 
spent spent four or five months trying to get Doris to work properly, to fall apart correctly. They had to put they had to put fucking guards up in front of where all the uh, where the guitars are kept because Doris's head fell off the stage once. And uh, it does look random, yeah. So it looks random when she falls. It is random, yeah. It's totally random. But they, so they had so they had to put up barriers because Doris's head nearly smashed all Kirk's guitars. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's, uh, uh, and you know, Mr. Guitar Roadie was completely unimpressed by that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it, it's awesome. It, I mean, you know, it's it's a great effect and and the way it's done. But yeah, James directing it cracks me up. It really does. Yeah, it's, but it's a great. Yeah, yeah it's a, and it's it's a, it, that is a top tune. And at that point as well, for justice. It, 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 it signifies just a slight shift towards the live set and 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 just paying more attention to to the band at that point you know we, we kind of go back to to the uh, to the arena to watch the band for quite a while because it's a long song so you know you want to get it absolutely spot on and it's and it's great I loved it okay we've got an an incident that happens though with Trip, he finally achieves his goal. He gets the bag, but the driver of the of the truck or the van where he uh, gets his van, he, yeah. this driver is terrified. Yeah, and it, it's not explained what he's terrified of. Yeah, it's also and it's also not explained uh, why why Trip <laughs> has still got a fucking can of gasoline which he's been carrying around with him. Everywhere he's still got it, and and yeah. maybe maybe it will come up later. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Oh, who, who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe there'll be a use for it. <laughs> so he's got this bag, right? Straight away, what's in the bag? Uh, not a clue. Brilliant. Sorted that. I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's. Um, it, it's like it's like Pulp Fiction. You know what's in the briefcase? Yeah. It's not about what's in the briefcase. That's that. If that's what you're focusing on. The film has failed. Damn it! You know, <laughs> stupid Metallica. <laughs> but it, but it, I, I get. But I do. I mean, but I've just got this vision. I've just got this vision of of Nimrod like going through the story when he first goes it, and I've just got this vision of Kirk putting his hand up and going, um, "In the truck is a bag, and we never find out what's in it." And Nimrod goes, "Cool." Okay, and Kirk's like, "Excellent! I always wanted to be in a film where there was something in a bag and no one knew what it was." <laughs> well, it it makes Trip feel ill and and like sit back and and have a rethink, or, or or stuns him so much that he can't stand on his own legs. You know, so whatever it is, whatever. Okay, I've got a question for you now, uh, and this is my one that I want to know most. About you personally. Right, okay. So, March 1988, Acid Rain release, Moshkinstein. Indeed. So, the world is yours at that time. You live in your own dream. Uh, UK Thrash album is out there. Fantastic label, fantastic uh, mini album, if you will. Five months later, Metallica putting out Injustice for All. This is a, a time that, as a thrasher, fan member of the band or whatever that this is a heyday this is an, a unique time in history 
for music. It will never happen again. What time to be a fan, right? And you, you're in the middle of it. Take us back to that period and sort of like what you were feeling being part of this massive thing uh, at a time when people that were into rock are suddenly switching over to thrash in their hundreds per week, thousands per week. Must have been amazing. Um, well, the thing is that when you look back on it and you know that that was happening, because history tells you that was happening, but at the time, you don't know that's happening. At the time, you're just like, are we going to get another album? I mean, we've signed a deal for three, but it's the music business, you know, they're not legally bound to... Do you know what I mean? It's like, we're going to sign you for three albums, but if your first album's shit, it will be a one-album deal. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the music business for you. So, at the time, you're just thinking, like, you know, where's the next gig? Where's the next meal coming from? But I do remember we were recording The Fear when And Justice For All came out. So, wow. we, so we, actually, we actually had it in the studio, I played it. I think I played a little bit of it to um, to our producer, Uncle Bastard, and um, and he was like, "Fucking hell, that's just fucking mad." Because <laughs> straight away, like the production is just insane on that album for sure for, uh, for many reasons. But it was weird. I remember. I remember thinking that. And Justice for All just come out, and we were like we were playing. We were talking about it in the control room. We were talking about what we thought to it and all the rest of it. And I think, I think um, Uncle Bastard. I think he turned around at some point, and he was like, "So are these? So are, they, are this lot Metallica? This lot are they? Are they sort of rivals of yours? Are they sort of like you know contemporaries?" <laughs> I think we we all sort of looked at each other like, no. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, you know, no more than the Queen is a temporary contemporary of yours. <laughs> um, do you know? It's like, no, God, no, because they were still. They, you know, it, it, it was like they're on another planet. They're Metallica. They're over there, right? So we weren't. You know, we, we're not like. Well, yeah, actually, because we're a thrash band and they're a thrash band. So yeah, <laughs> uh, they're peers of ours. And it's like, not really. No, they're the originators. They're the creators. They are the the gods of this genre that we are lucky enough to be playing in. I remember being on, on tour with Nuclear Assault and John Connolly saying to me, uh, we were having a chat and he went, he said, you know what, Howard? We're all just hanging on to Metallica's coattails. That's all any of us are doing. That's, that's why we're on tour in Europe right now. No one would give a shit about our bands if it wasn't for Metallica. And, and and I remember thinking, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I I think really, I've probably got more of a sense of uh, perspective and where we were and 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 you know actually being in that scene. I think I've actually got more of a perspective of it a perspective of it now than I did at the time. You know, it's it's like I think it's like anything else in life. If you if you look back on a relationship you were in and you look back on it and you have complete and total clarity of that relationship now, whereas when you were in it, you were all over the fucking place. You didn't know what was going on. You weren't quite sure. sure. And and it's I think it's the same it's the same thing. 
You know, it's the same when you're in it, you're just in it and you're just you're thinking no further ahead than tomorrow. You know, I've always said, you know, look after today and tomorrow will take care of itself. And it's, you know, take care of all of the minutes and all of the time um, and and everything will be all right. You know, and and so I, I tend not to look back and I don't look too far forward because now is, is, is what's important and when's important. And if you take care of now, then tomorrow will be fine. So there you go. A long yeah. winding answer, I guess. I loved it. That's great. Because <laughs> at the time, I was I was that fan. Even though I did have Master of Puppets on a cassette that someone did for me, it wasn't until And Justice for All came out that I was there on the day one buying it. So it was between them two where I got introduced to the whole thing. You were there before that. So to see this thing that was really underground suddenly become not overground, it was never like your mum and dad would go... Oh, look at Lars today. <laughs> what a guy. Like, they weren't doing that. But at the same time, it was suddenly in the lexicon. You would see other people in the high street, you know, in in battle jackets and things. It was a great time for me. Uh, no, I... Yeah, no, I, I can identify with that. Yeah, I can identify with that. I can identify with, like... Um, but I'm a music... You know, I'm a music snob. I think I think anyone who's into metal is a music snob to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I remember reading there was a study that said that the, the two the two music fans who are most similar are um, fans of heavy metal and fans of classical. And the, and the reason they are the most are most similar is that they believe they have a far superior taste in music to everybody else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, Spot on. Yeah, yeah. So so. I'm a, I, I'm a bit of a snob. Do you know what I mean? So when you, so when you, it's the same old story, isn't it? If, if you've been with a band since day one and they start getting big, you're just like, fuck off. They're my band, not yours. Fuck off. So, but I, I had that very early because my, my, you know, my favourite band that got me into music in the first place at the time was Marillion. And, and I, I got into Marillion when, on the first album, when very few people were really into them. And by the time the third, you know, the third album comes out and goes to number one and Punch and Judy comes out on the second album and is a top 30 single. And I'm already starting to get annoyed with everybody. <laughs> um, so, it, so, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a music snob and I didn't think, oh, this is great. I just thought, why don't you all fuck off? You don't belong here. <laughs> Which is also totally redundant thinking when you're in a band and you, and your whole point is to sell records. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, new fans, yeah, new yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't even know. No, 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 we were less fans. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, in the film. I spot a Liverpool Football Club t-shirt in the crowd. Good spot. I didn't spot uh, that, no, good spot. I was quite proud of that one. Master of Puppets starts up, uh, but I'm more interested, uh, I've, I've seen them play it, so many times I've listened to that song so many times I'm more interested in what's actually going on with Trip here uh, so I don't know if you have anything to say about the actual song at that point before uh, I go into Trip well I, I, I don't know should we just do it should we do a call back to it being my favourite Metallica song uh, I don't know why I'd want to talk about that uh, <laughs> I don't know why yeah. they don't do bread fans so <laughs> um, I, well I, I mentioned I mentioned purely for the crosses coming out of the stage 
Oh yeah. And yeah, when right. and there's a scene where Hetfield is stood in front of one of the crosses and he's stood legs akimbo riffing like a motherfucker like only James can with that fucking right forearm of doom just <laughs> fucking killing it. And he's all in black. He's got no extra timber. He is like shredded. They, they're all shredded and all wearing black yeah. and all wearing black as well. The most slimming colour. And um, and James is just stood there riffing out in front, like with his back to the cross. And it has to be one of the most fucking awesome metal images um, I've seen. And for an incredibly cool guy, he just looked, that is do you know, that is, if I was James Hetfield, I would be saying, frame that and only ever use that picture of me for anything. Okay. Um, because it is just so fucking cool. It is just immense. It is, it's just brilliant. And that the, that's the effect that takes place um, in this song. And again, it's just fucking brilliant. But there is a big... Big journey from that spotty oik on the back of Kill 'em All to to how he looks in this movie. Yeah. He is sexy as fuck in this movie. He's he's fucking yeah. It's unbelievable the journey this guy's gone on. And I know a lot of money may well have gone into it. Who am I to say? But yeah, he's a hottie. Let, let's talk about Trip. Um, Mad Max Horseman. He's back. Um, it looks like this crowd has got the better of Trip. He's run himself into a dead end. What What are you going to do at that point? How are you going to get out of this? I mean, I don't. I don't know, mate. I mean, I don't know about you, right? But um, I mean, he's run away from them, and he's run. He's run to a big fence, and he's thought, "Oh fuck me! What am I going to do? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to climb over the fence because all these fuckers are chasing me." But you know what? When I climb over this fence. I'm not just going to climb over it. I'm going to throw this fucking needless can of gasoline I've been carrying with me for an hour. I'm going to throw that over first. Because the last thing you want to do when you're running for your life is leave your can of gasoline behind. So, no way would you want to be doing so that. So he's, he's chucked that over the fence. He's got it. And, it, and it's a dead end. You're right. And, he's, and this fence, he can't climb over. And his back is literally to the wall slash fence. And it, it's, it's now is the time for shit what's you know what's up here what's he gonna do now this is like fuck (laughs) well i i i I did not see this coming you'll be you'll be glad to know that this doesn't look any different in 3d what what did what did you think when you first saw it when he's like okay um he's got he's going the nuclear option here I, do you know what? I thought that's the end of the film until I looked on the back and I saw there was more songs to go. I just thought, oh, maybe the rest is a concert film. You know, maybe that's the end of Trip. Uh, that, in all honesty, that's what I thought. Right. Um, very wrong. Yes. Yeah. As it turns out. Yeah, because um, yeah, he decides to basically torch himself. He turns himself into a human torch, which, um, as you can imagine absolutely thrilled the people who had to try and deliver that scene because you've got a guy on fire for 30 seconds fighting 
Um, yes. Which apparently is a lot harder to deliver than it might sound. <laughs> um, so again, you know, fucking fair fucks. It is. It's the old. It's the old. <laughs> if we're going to do this, we're going to do this properly. And and I just I love the fact that he puts his he puts his hoodie up, and he pulls his and he pulls his um uh his band yeah. his bandana up. By the way, massive commercial mistake by Metallica here. The minute COVID nineteen hit, they should have they should have been making those bandanas with the band on from the cover. Yeah. Should be, I'd have I'd have had one of those. I'd have been walking around yeah. with a hooded top on, setting myself on fire as well, probably. <laughs> um, I'm sure Donald Trump would think that would be a cure for fucking COVID. Um, well, it would cure you in one way. It would, wouldn't it? The kind of way I'd like to cure Donald Trump. Um, but purely from an action scene, it's a fucking brilliant scene. And the fact that battery is it kicks in at the beginning of this. So, so the acoustic intro to battery is happening, and whilst that's happening. It's lit, the hood's going up and the mask is... And then, like, and then battery kicks in and he starts battering people. What more do you want, you know? See what they did there. It works. Uh, Yeah. Assault and battery. It's going on. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Uh. My whole life I've been waiting for that moment. When it all starts to make sense. We got a truck that's out of gas in the city. You gotta find it, and we got something to ban these tonight, okay? So get them back, and you know what to do. Another night, another show. I do what they tell me. I go where they send me. But sometimes the moment that changes everything is the one you never see coming. dead at this point as far as i know as far as far as i'm aware that's that and then we got nothing else matters coming in uh compared to everything else i found it a little bit uneventful uh, in the the, the movie side. yes yeah it, it's kind of like well again we only get a little bit of it though true we only get a little bit of it um and and they i mean that's a fairly standard uh, Metallica live arrangement, isn't it? A bit of nothing else matters that then goes into Enter Sandman. Yeah, they, they've been doing that for quite a while now, and it works from a musical point of view. I think 
this is a point where they're thinking we have to give the fans something. Being being such a um, when I say the fans, not like the hardcore fans. I, I think given the the fans that would just be going to see a metal band at a gig, they know Metallica songs. That is going to be one that they know. And to to do the the double whammy with Enter Sandman, all bets are off now. Like everyone's covered. You've got the Fly By Night fans. You've got the hardcore fans. Everyone loves a bit of Enter Sandman towards the end of a Metallica set. Brilliant. Here we go. But hold on a second. Trip wakes up. He's on a roof. Yes. Right. This is where the, this film goes mental. This is where this film belongs in this podcast. From here on, what's going on with Trip? I think it's really special. I think that I'm well jealous that you get to see it all in 3D. And yeah, I, do, I just think it's something that I've not seen before. And it's done really well. I'm still a bit confused by the marionette. So I'd like you to maybe give me an idea of what's going on there. But apart from that, yeah, come on. Give me your take on this whole thing. Well, it takes place on the roof of a multi-storey car park. And he, and he, he, like you say, he wakes up there magically. And I think that, for me, really does accentuate that, you know, this magical trip that trip has been on you see the, the the dual meaning of the name there you know is it is he called trip because he goes on a trip well yes but which trip are you talking about and the fact that he sets himself on fire and then wakes up on the roof of a multi-story car park that a bloke on horseback has managed can you imagine trying to get a horse onto the roof of a multi-story car park can you imagine right get on a horse Right, get through the barrier. Excuse me. Excuse me. Well, you jump the barrier, wouldn't you? Right, so you jump the barrier. Right, the horse has got metal shoes. That horse is going fucking what? It's sliding all over the place. And you're going to be going right. We're going to go up eight levels. You what? I'm not going up there. You fucking the bastard. Get up there. Get up there. Try to get. So try to get. So basically, it's total fantasy. You can't get a horse on to the eighth level of a multi-story car park. On a concrete surface, it would be lame by about floor one. Dead by floor two. Okay. So, completely impractical. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, <laughs> the fools. Yeah, idiots. But, um, it, 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 basically, yeah, it's complete and total fantasy. So, the the setting... He set himself on fire. Um, and all the fighting. I, for me, at that point, He's in the pit. That is Trip. He's at the gig. He's in the pit. And the fighting is him in the pit. Just fight, yeah. just moshing. And then, and if, if, if somebody, and if, if he's been knocked out, because he doesn't look like the hardest of kids, if he's been knocked out, then he's like coming round in like St. John's Ambulance or whatever the American equivalent <laughs> is. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, being too, uh, being a little bit too literal here, or being a lot too literal, it's it's just the culmination of the the whole trip that he's been on, and the guy turning up, you know, on his horse. Uh, for some reason, this bloke, as well as wearing a needless oxygen masks, has a has a has a hankering for uh, lynching people. Uh, that's his thing. It's what he does. Everyone's got their kink. Yep, and it's that's the only purpose he serves in this film. He's got to be called the Hangman, surely. 
Um, but I also kind of think that maybe he is the marionette. And the marionette coming to life, the point is that the marionette has, has came to life in his mind ages ago. There's a case that can be made that the marionette is the horseman and the horseman is the marionette. Um, they're slightly similar. Also, notice the marionette is hanging. The marionette is yeah, ha- yeah. is always hanging. So, so all of the lynchings do they all represent the marionette, or is it just literally the fact that Trip is it, one of the last things he saw he saw before he took his pill was his marionette hanging from the uh, rearview mirror, and so that image has fixed in his head and keeps repeating. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, and so it keeps repeating. Yeah, like it does if you've ever had a bad trip. A uh, bit of advice here, kids. If you are going to do Class A drugs, and I fully recommend that you fucking do, um, make sure it's with people that you know and love in a very safe environment. Somewhere like a battlefield or a hospital during a riot. But um, Not on the roof of a, of a car park. <laughs> yeah. So what does it represent, I guess? The truth is, I do not know. I really don't know. I don't know where this sledgehammer comes from. Uh, I, uh, like the 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 imagery behind that, the fact that he manages to destroy the horseman and the horse, and they shatter into glass um, after the horseman has tried to hang him, because that's sure. what the horseman does. Um, that's his job. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, he's he's got a lynching boner. Uh, a lynching boner. God, that's that's not a mental image you want, is it? Um, <laughs> New Acid Rain song title there. <laughs> Fucking album title that, mate. <laughs> but also the, the visuals, especially in three D, the visuals of when every, when he when he smashes the sledgehammer down, it's not just that he destroys the horse; he he lays waste to the entire city. It becomes apocalyptic because in the background yeah. you can see like buildings and it's like a it's like a fucking it's not like oh a few things are on fire no it's like there's been a fucking massive bomb has gone off and i mean there is just there, there's the uh, silhouettes of destroyed buildings and there's it's it's absolutely brutal it's like fuck this looks like a properly horrific scene this city has been absolutely laid to waste now is that representative of it's the end of the set and Metallica have just wasted yet another city and it's on to the next town, motherfuckers. You know? A hundred percent. That is exactly my, my take on it. As soon as those buildings went, I thought that's what it is. How many times have you left a gig just like through the mess of the floor or a festival, you know, when that's over, it just looks apocalyptic. There's smashed stuff everywhere. There's bodies everywhere. You know, it, it feels the same as that looks so yeah that was my take on it i'm glad yeah maybe it's not rocket science that you would take that from it but i'm glad you're on the same page there it's glorious it it is it is it's it's fucking it's fucking epic but also what we then happen is we go back to the gig and as as everything has been destroyed so has the gig the gig has started falling apart we get the we get the um, Burning Man thing uh, routine again. Um, yeah. Beautifully played. Again, James doing some more acting. Um, 
uh, which is which is great, and uh, it, it's 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 kind of weird because it's like that's where the sort of the movie narrative finishes, and then um, but I, I love this thing. I love the fact that I mean you know they've done it before. I loved it then, and I love it now. The fact that you end up with the biggest metal band there's ever been that have sold fucking millions of albums we've played every continent they've done everything a fucking band can and here they are with a bunch of amps stood within two or three feet of each other smashing out the first song from their first album and like james says this is what it's like in our garage this reminds me of kill them all and it's like absolutely dude absolutely and i just think it's a it's a nod to how grounded that they are as a band and people and the fact that for quite a few years as we discussed earlier about load for quite a few years they were kind of almost ashamed of their legacy i remember seeing lars in a in a documentary on thrash metal where he refused to say even say the term thrash metal he point blank refused and when he was wow. in, you know, when he was in his years, when he was into Oasis and all the rest of it, and it was like it was yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. distancing from metal, distancing from metal. Dis- and it's lovely to see that they're in a place where they are old enough and wise enough to be proud of their legacy and curate it probably better than any band curates their legacy. And the fact that the show finishes with them, the actual live show finishes with them smashing out the first song off their first album. In that in that rehearsal room vibe, in an arena that holds fucking twenty five, thirty thousand people, yes. I just think that's awesome, absolutely awesome. And also, it shows James's frontman skills as well are hugely, hugely underrated. I think because he's one of the best. Well, he just fucking is with fucking twelve thousand people in there, and he's not talking to everyone else. He's talking to me. You know, I don't know what I don't I don't know why these people are even listening because he's clearly talking to me, <laughs> and it's that ability to just go, "Hey, cool, how are you? How's it going?" and 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 just relate to you as if you you were a guest at a rehearsal, as opposed to a fan who's paid a shitload of money to watch them. You know, you just you just you just, yeah. you just get the guy, you just get the authentic dude. And that's and I guess that's what I mean by like talking to talk to crowd like like it's one person, because then you're being authentic because nobody talks to 20,000 people at a time. (laughs) Yeah. And it's those dickheads. Not not usually. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's people and it's people who do that that are the dickheads. Like whenever you hear that phrase like, oh, there was only 10 people there, but we played it like there was a thousand. Really? Did you? That was fucking stupid then, wasn't it? Because those ten people thought, why is this dickhead playing this like there's a thousand people here? <laughs> <laughs> Has he not noticed there's only ten of us? Um, but uh, he, he's, I've he's been there, and and he's the master of it here. When he that that little bit, he goes, "Well, is everybody okay? Can you hear us?" And he's, and I know it's, I know it's like it's 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 a role he's playing at that particular point. But it, but it is that Hetfield style of just everything's just. No, nothing's big deal you know he's just really he's just really authentic and and yeah it's like the metallica family and give me a hey and, blah, blah, and all the rest of it and yeah he's got that and that's the show but between songs when he's talking to the crowd he's talking to you that 
is the whenever I see Metallica, I always come away with the fuck me. He has just absolutely nailed that ability to make to make a, an arena full of ten thousand people feel like a rehearsal room, and you're the only one in it. You know, and that's just an amazing, amazing skill, especially coming from an, an introvert as well, or an uh, an extroverted introvert. He struggled with so many demons over his time, and yet he's come out on the other side. I mean, just speaking from this film onwards, and he he does make you feel like he's your mate, which is one of those rare qualities that, for instance, has never happened with Lars. You know? <laughs> well, well, the thing is, the thing is, right? I think this is one of Metallica's greatest legacies. Because when Metallica came out, their image was they had no image. And this was new. And this is what caused, for me, I think, is what caused a big divide between Thrashers and Glam. Because because Metallica came up at a time where it was all about excess. It was all about having an image. Now, you could say they were the first band to never have an image. Well, no, they weren't, because Black Sabbath didn't have an image, really. They were just four scruffy lads from Birmingham. By the time Metallica came out, oh, Black Sabbath had an image, limos, private jets, and and Ozzy was a rock sure. and Ozzy was a rock star. Metallica brought brought everything back to just four dudes in torn jeans and t-shirts of bands you've never heard about playing fucking music. That's it. No gimmicks. We've got a backdrop with our name on it. Yeah, got a fucking problem with that? Then fuck off. <laughs> and that was it. And it's like, you know, James's, James's classic rant at the very first Donington, where he goes, if you're expecting to see, if you're expecting to see a band with fucking spandex and fucking makeup, <laughs> and he's like, you know, slagging off glam, which was great. But they were, they, they, they brought that whole, we're just guys playing in a band. It's no big deal. And they, they brought that, and that almost, almost punk ethos. Certainly, myself in Acid Rain, that is something that I latched onto, and I was determined that we would always, always be a band where people went, they're all right. No, they're just, they're just all right blokes. You know, they're like, you know, oh, yeah, Acid Rain, yeah, you, oh, yeah, you can, they're, yeah, they're fine, they're, they're nice guys. Because I was de- uh, determined that we would never be one of those bands where it's people like, oh, you know, Oh, a bunch of ourselves. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't like their image. And it's like, no, no, no. We don't want an image. You, know, you end up on with one whether you want it or not. Especially if you, sure. Especially, yeah, yeah, especially sure. if you ask about as much as we did. But um, I think that was possibly Metallica's like biggest legacy. Even now, even now, if you're a thrash band, you better not give a fuck. You better be down to earth. You better be a nice guy. You better have time for the fans. No rock star bullshit at all. There is no fucking room for it. And that that still exists today in this genre that is decades old. And I th- and I, I I genuinely think that's what Metallica brought to it. Because Anthrax, right from the word go, had an image. Slayer had an image. Eh, Megadeth, who gives a fuck? But um, that well, actually, no. To be fair. I, I do like Megadeth. I, I love Megadeth. But their image, unfortunately, was Dave's a spoiled bastard who can't stop going on about Metallica and is a heroin addict. And that was, you know, in, in those years, in those formative years, 
that's who they were. But Metallica, they brought the image of uh, like no, I'm, I didn't have these jeans ripped by a fucking um, costume <laughs> designer. These jeans are ripped because I can't afford a new pair of jeans. And I think, again, that informs all the people who went and followed them. You look at the back of Kill 'em All and you think, yeah, I can do that. I, 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 can, I can look like that. I fucking do most days. And all of a sudden, the, every other band in the world, you were supposed to look on the back of their album and go, oh, look at them. Oh, they look great. Or, oh, yeah, look at them. They're lofty rock stars up on a pedestal. And you look at the back of Kill 'em All and you go, I think I saw him down the pub last week. You know, he's got spots. I've got spots. Maybe we can do this. You know, and it, it's yeah, it's it, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's a huge part of of what they brought to the table. They end this film in a way where they're giving you something they, they didn't have to do it. They, they've spent their money. Both the stage set, the gig, is all wound down, as you say, like literally by hit the lights. It's just the four of them and this massive crowd. The The trip story's over. And yet they, they're just going to stay in for one more while the credits roll uh, yeah. and give it and give it, give the fans one last thing. Thanks for staying fans. I've got a couple more questions, but I want to, first of all, uh, sort of pick your brain about Orion. Why do you think they chose Orion? Um, I think they chose Orion to showcase Rob. Yeah. Because I think that they haven't played... I mean, they've played bits of it, but they've never played the whole song live since uh, that I'm aware of, certainly since Cliff died. Oh, right. Okay. And I think... I'm not, I'm not sure about this. I wouldn't swear to it. But I think it's the only version of Orion, the whole song, being played live that you can find. I mean... I'm, I, I mean, I'm probably wrong, and there'll be there'll be lot, you know, there'll be Metallica fans who have a lot more knowledge than I do listening to the shaken heads going. Actually, I think you'll find 1989 in the amphitheater just outside of Texas. They played the entire song. Well, good for you. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. Um, but I think they did it because it's not something that they play live um, very often, if at all. And Rob is the man to play that tune with you know i think they they must sure. have they must have been fucking about with it um somebody might have suggested it it might have been management um they may have been playing around with it for a while rob might have said oh fucking yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do a rhyme one day and you know they might you know he might have said that to them like you know on his first fucking week in the band i'd love to do a rhyme one day and they're all like yeah man yeah we should do that yeah 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 and it's like oh yeah because i've got this shit worked out and like, oh wow that's fucking amazing wow yeah you can do all the stuff cliff did with your fingers as well yeah, that's amazing yeah i'm sure we'll do that one day 20 years later lars who never forgets anything will have gone hey rob <laughs> remember that time uh rob no i don't remember that actually lars <laughs> well i've had an idea and I, I, it, that is a it's a fucking gift it's an absolute gift rob's bass tone oh god yeah oh man that is just when when that when that came on when i was watching it last week when that came on i doubled the volume <laughs> uh, and, and i just i, I just thought, from from stupid to what the fuck no i went mean, no 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 i lost I, I listened to the whole film on what the fuck i upped it from what the fuck <laughs> I, I i upped it from what the fuck to 
fuck you neighbours um, <laughs> and uh, oh yeah it, it, it's just it's awesome it's it's absolutely awesome and there's a great ending on it as well because re- obviously it just fades out on the album but there's a you know there's a, there's a great ending yeah. on it Trip Trip makes an appearance and sits in the seats and he watches as well because uh, he's not left which is nice for him isn't it yeah yeah. the bag is still there um, you'd, you'd think somebody would have taken that but no it's it's great it's great and, and also yeah, Lars stays behind the kit sat down um, which is another bonus yeah that, that that is a downside when you see when you, in 3D when you see Lars getting up from behind his kit and walking around it's like double annoying <laughs> You know, it's like watching it on. T- now I'm jealous of watching it. Of you watching it in two D. <laughs> the bits where Lars gets up and walks around. Sit down, mate. I'm going to end this on a negative because uh, I, that's what how I like to roll. So agreed. We both pretty much love this. This is great. I think yeah. as an just a summation of it, I think it sets out to do something and it achieves it exactly how they set out to do it. I don't think any expense was spared with regards to it. All the money's on the screen. Yeah. Looks incredible. But my question to you is, if you can pick something about it that you don't like, I want to know, like, have you got any critiques, any negative thoughts about any of it at all? Well, funnily enough, when you were talking then, I um, I had a, I had a realisation that we... You know, we were talking about this movie uh, and how many years ago it is since I watched it for the first time in the cinema. And no way did I expect to still be watching this movie fairly regularly. All these years later, I saw it in the cinema and I thought, that's good. That's really good. I really enjoyed it. I'll get that on Blu-ray. That that you know that was great yeah wonderful sure but it didn't blow me away I didn't come out there going oh my god oh fucking hell oh I was I, but, yeah I was happy really wanted to see it again I'm gonna get the you know get the the Blu-ray etc yeah but but that but that was it but it's it keeps it it's it's the gift that keeps on giving it's kept it's kept my interest. And watching it again for this podcast uh, and picking things out like the blue and red lighting in one and stuff like that and going like, oh, okay. Um, So bits like that, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, cool. Now, to answer your question, for somebody who spends most of his time picking faults with everything. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think there's, there's anything in there that, that there's nothing in there that jars for me. There's nothing in there where I think, Oh, that, you know, Oh, that's wince inducing. Oh, that's a bit cringe. Oh. And, and if there was, I'd know by now, because I've seen, I've seen it enough. And I think uh, when you asked me the question, I instantly started going through my mind thinking, right, right, right. And just clicking through the movie and going, well, hang on. If I'm even doing that, it means there isn't one. Because the if you, you know, when you say, is there anything, I, my answer should be, oh, yeah, it's when that and there isn't. 
And in fact, there's only things to praise about it. The way it goes out, it goes out the way it came in on its own terms, going out on Orion, which is a fucking beautiful, you know, it's a cliff tribute. It's it's showcasing um, Rob's interpretation of a song that is built around the bass. And it's 92 minute running time. I mean, there are so many directors out there right now who need their fucking fingers chopping off after 90 minutes. You know, there's so many editors out there who who will be giving 90 minute edits of movies to directors and the director going, no, no, it needs 20 minutes putting back in. No, it doesn't. Three act structure. 30 minutes per act. It's the law of three. Three act structure. 30 minutes per act equals 90 minutes. There's your perfect movie for you. The fact that they manage to create a narrative arc and a story and play a gig on the most amazing stage you'll ever see and put that into a 92 minute framework. It's unsurpassed and it. I don't think it ever will be for what it is because I don't think anybody will ever take anything on like uh, anything like that on because it costs too much. You've obviously got a bit of a problem with uh, nothing else matters or, uh, or being in there or what's your what's your gripe? I was just trying to think of a way I could edit what you said to say, but yeah, I really just think they should have had bread fan in there. But, <laughs> but no, I don't think I can get that. Do you know, I've got a couple of issues with the set list. But that's as bad as it gets. And what Metallica fan doesn't have a couple of issues with a set list? Everyone wants their favourites. You know? Look, I'll, I'll, just... I'll take your point on that. But by the same token, I'd also say you're missing the point. It's not about it's not about the set list. It's just not. It really isn't. Because if it was, there's songs that Cyanide would not be in the set. Sure. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 the set list for the movie. It's not the set list for the gig. So that's I think it's been very carefully curated to happen like that. Final thing. Yep. Budget. I've got some stats up here. Uh budget eighteen million. Domestic opening one point five and total worldwide when they finished all said and done seven point nine million. Yeah. So from an 18 million input, again, that's just from Box Office Mojo. Might be incorrect here and there, but, you know, you get the gist. Yeah. You've said that no other band would do that, and you, I think you're 100% right. Like, even the biggest bands would sit down, see the loss, think again, rethink it. But they've Metallica here have delivered something that no other band could have or would have done. And I, as a end note, I just am so happy that they have. I'm so happy that it exists. I'm so happy that it's there. Yeah. And like they should never second guess themselves on whether it was a good or bad decision. Um, because yeah, it, I think that if you can, and it's for artistic sake, do it. And they have. Yeah. Do, do, does that shock you? Those figures? Does Does that make you just go? Well, maybe they should not have done that. Um, no, I genuinely thought they'd lost more than that. Um, it's It's. I mean, if you look at it from a, if you're looking at it from a, um, a business and a management perspective, my take is, 
that uh, management were not strong enough with the band. Management should have said, guys, no, you do not finance this. Yeah. And the band are, look, we're Metallica. We do everything our way. We always have. We say fuck you to everybody. We put our name on everything. And, <laughs> yes, they do. And our record is not far off 100%. Our batting average is very high, to which somebody in management needed to say, you're right, in the music industry, you are going out of your industry into one that you know nothing about. And that is the danger here. The danger is you can lose your ass. As, a, as an artistic venture, I think it's one of the best things they've ever fucking done. I think it's up there with S and M, um, you know, those things they do when they go off piste. Um, I think I think it's it's absolutely brilliant, and I'm ultimately I'm so so glad that they did it, that they made it, because we've now got this forever. Um, and wouldn't you just want to see a gig with them playing on that stage? I mean, yeah, man, oh. that cannot be. Just in a blooming shed somewhere. I mean, I just, just go, go, you know, go and spend a day in Metallica Town during the day, you know, around all the stalls and the Metallica themed food and everything else that's popped up, and go into go into the venue and see like best show of your life. Yeah, that'd just be amazing. Howard, thank you so much for being part of this. This Pleasure. has been um, a real long one. Thank you, everyone that's been <laughs> listening along. That's a long one, but yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's been it's, I, well, whoever's listening, believe you and me, if you think this is long that you're listening to, no. It was much longer. Paul's Paul <laughs> Paul's been on the edit. <laughs> <laughs> and indeed it was. So thank you very much, Paul, for um sorting the edit out. Because um otherwise, yeah, yeah, it would have been even longer. Well done for getting this far. If you've managed to listen to the whole thing. Um, well done. I don't know how many t- uh, sittings that's taken, but congratulations. You deserve a good old pat on the back. Now, um, you can uh, discover Paul's podcast. There will be a link in the description of this podcast directly to um, A Year in Horror or just search A Year in Horror in any of your podcast apps. That's the best thing to do, folks, that there will be a link in the description. There's also a link saying support this podcast where you can go to Patreon and get loads of extra bits and pieces for the podcast if you want. If you want to get tons more, over 400 posts, all sorts of bits of content out there for you, then feel free. Howard, sorry, uh, patreon.com forward slash Howard Smith. Sorry, Howard H. Smith, I'm doing a shit job of this. Um, it's almost like I've listened to all of that as well, and I'm as knackered as you are. But I haven't, of course. I've just imported the file, and I'm speaking to you about, what, a minute after I did the intro? Well, no, a few minutes. But, hey, look, I don't want to ruin the magic of podcasting for you, but I pretty much already have there. And let's face it, if you thought there was any magic involved in podcasting, well, you haven't been listening to this fucking podcast, have you? <laughs> so, uh, once again... Awesome work from Paul. A great idea. It was his idea to do this. Um, and, and it was a great way to spend a Saturday afternoon. I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, make sure you catch up with Paul's podcast. Make sure you subscribe here. Make sure you go to Patreon. Support the podcast. That would be awesome if you would. I'd really appreciate it. But all in all, hope you've enjoyed this extra 
Talking Movie Bollocks podcast. And um, who knows? There may be some more on the way. Of course, there's some more on the way. That's why I'm saying that. Thanks for listening.